welcome to the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McQueen, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting research fellow at the National Cancer Institute in the USC. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. Today we're discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the November issue of Gut, entitled Carvedilol for Primary Prophylaxis of Variceal Bleeding, in cirrhotic patients with hemodynamic non-response to propranolol. This is presented by Professor Marcus's Hicks Group from the Vienna Hepatic Hemodynamic Lab within the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology in the Medical University of Vienna in Austria. I'm delighted to welcome Professor Pick here today. Welcome to the podcast. Beta blockade for primary prophylaxis of variceal hemorrhage in patients with liver cirrhosis has been widely accepted for almost three decades. And traditionally, propranolol or nadolol has been administered in this context. Can you remind us of the current evidence and guidelines for this treatment approach? Uh, well, yes, you know, uh, beta blockhead has been studied quite extensively in the setting of uh, primary prophylaxis as well as secondary prophylaxis of variceal bleeding since the initial report uh, in, in something like 1981. That has been proven in, in several studies to be effective in uh, preventing the occurrence of first very sealed bleeding, even though the data with the more traditional agents like uh, propranolol or uh, nadolol were not really able to show an improvement in survival. They just showed an improvement in, in rebleeding rate. So they were good, but they were not optimal. And this has been shown in randomized, prospective randomized controlled trials. So uh, th there is a clear need for improved treatments. Now, the alternative to the drug treatment with beta blockers is the endoscopic variceal ligation, which uh, is equally effective, or let's say a little bit more effective than the conventional treatment with the uh, non-selective beta blockers. However, statistically seen, there was never a difference between beta blockade and uh, endoscopic variceal ligation, the primary prophylaxis. So for that reason, in all the consensus statements up to Davino 5 uh, for primary prophylaxis of variceal bleeding, non-selective beta blockers have been the standard of care in patients that were eligible for beta blocker treatment, which means patients that did not have a contraindication and were not really hemodynamically comprised. Uh, in addition, well, there were, were some papers in, in, in the early 2000s showing that combined alpha-beta blockade was an effective means uh, or even a more effective means of reducing uh, portal pressure than just beta blockade. And that was done both by combining alpha blockers like Pratsacin with beta blockers, with non-selective beta blockers, as well as by doing hemodynamic studies uh, with carvedilol already. And they showed that this was quite an effective treatment. However, there were concerns about side effects of too effective uh, lowering of the blood pressure. So for that reason, it was not really pursued at that point. So it wasn't until 2009 when there was the first prospective uh, randomized trial between carvedilol and endoscopic treatment um, published by Tripathi and co-workers that was able to show a significant improvement in the first bleeding rate between carvedilol and endoscopic band ligation in favor of carvedilol. 
And that's when we realized that this, of course, was really a very interesting story where we should collect some data. Okay, you've covered this a little already um, with regard to the evidence for the use of carvedilol in cirrhotic yeah. patients. But how does carvedilol differ to propranolol? Okay, the difference between uh, carvedilol and propranolol is that propranolol uh, is just a non-selective beta blocker, while carvedilol is a combined alpha and beta blocker. So it also blocks alpha receptors, and for that reason it is uh, able to improve the hemodynamic response compared to just a conventional uh, beta blocker. The other difference between the two is that propanolol has a very short half-life, which requires it to be given uh, three times daily, and carvedilol has a very long half-life, and you can give it just once daily. And so the benefit for the patient is not only that he has to take drugs less often, but also, he does not get such high peak drug concentrations uh, followed by trough levels. That is much more pleasant for the patient. Well, you identified a selected patient cohort to include in your trial. Tell us more about this patient group, why you focused here, and how your patients were selected. So, we do have a, a fairly large hemodynamic lab uh, in which we measure portal pressure in the patients even when we put them on, on primary prevention. And this is not recommended necessarily by the guidelines, but that's not recommended simply by the fact that many people don't have the possibility to measure uh, portal pressure on a regular basis. So for us, this seemed logic because since maybe only a third of the patient really respond, or a little bit more than a third of the patients respond to beta blocker, uh, in primary prophylaxis, in my opinion, it is interesting to know who are the patients that respond and who are the patients who don't respond. Because, you know, even if you just put your patients on any antihypertensive medication, you also always measure the blood pressure to see whether it works or it doesn't. Once you do that, of course, you very clearly identify the group of patients where the drug does not work. And then you tell the patient, and the question that the patient always has is, so what do we do now? And obviously, this was a question that had not been answered. So, of course, you can give them a very sealed band ligation always. Uh, but band ligation has not been formally tested in prospective trial of just non-responders to drug treatment. So, so essentially, we don't really know whether this is the best treatment for these kinds of patients. And so we thought we would give them a drug that we thought and had been proven in, in the trial of 2009 to be already more effective than band ligation. And that's why the reason why we selected this group of patients. Considering your study design, um, can you outline the comparison treatment arms included in your study? First of all, we measured the patients the first time and we saw that uh, some patients responded and those patients were not uh, further included into the study. But the non-responders, we, we put onto the onto carvedilol and measured their uh, portal pressures. And, and that, of course, gave us this group of patients that responded to the carvedilol. And then there was a remaining group of patients that did not respond to uh, carvedilol, and those patients were given endoscopic band ligation. Yeah? So, so that's how we uh, got our patient groups 
you have the, the, the Proprano group and then you have the Carvedilol group, which together are the responder groups to, to either of the two drugs. And then you have the patients that did not respond to either of the two drugs, which you would put them on band ligation. And that's how we came to our groups. Well, tell us about the primary and secondary outcomes of the trial. Okay. So, so the initial, initial outline of the study was just to look at the hemodynamic response. That's what we intended to do. And uh, as you can see in the manuscript, uh, that you had 36% of the patients that were initially responding to propranolol with a 20% decrease in, in, in portal pressure. Uh, and those were left in propranolol. And then you had patients that were not responding to propranolol, and those were put on carvedilol and 56% of those patients achieved a response to uh, carvedilol. And then in the end, we ended up with 44% of the, of the non-responding patients that were treated with endoscopic band ligations. So, in, and in the end, that means that the same number of patients that responded to propranolol and then of the non-responders that still responded to carvedilol because it's 37 patients responding to propranolol and 38 patients responding to carvedilol of the ones that initially did not respond. So you basically double the response to drug treatment and it leaves you only with uh, about 30 patients who still have to go for endoscopic band ligation. So what about your secondary outcomes? Was there a difference in bleeding or hepatic decompensation rate between the groups? The secondary endpoint was the, the follow-up of all these three groups. What we found there was then actually quite surprising. Uh, I mean, it was something that we were hoping for, but definitely we're still very, very pleased in seeing it because uh, when you look, when you group the, the medically treated patients together, the carvedilol and the propranolol treated patients, and compare them with the band ligation group, then you see a significant difference in the very first very sealed bleeding rate which is particularly pronounced when you take the carvedilol-treated patients only and compare them to the endoscopic band ligation group. And also for the uh, hepatic decompensation, when you group all beta-blocker-treated patients together, it barely did not reach statistical significance. But when you grouped just the carvedilol-treated patients together, and compared them to the band-ligated uh, patients, then you had a significant improvement in the hepatic decompensation rate. Again, when you grouped all the beta-blocker-treated patients together, propranolol and carvedilol, and compared it to the band-ligation patients, you also got a significant improvement uh, in survival. So we mentioned this earlier, but let's uh, consider the tolerability and potential adverse events related to carvedilol. Did your trial give an indication of this? Or do other published data give us insight into this? The blood pressure is a very important issue. And, and the reason why initially those drugs, uh, especially carvedilol, was not pursued any further in the development was because if you dose it too high, then the, you get a problem with the arterial blood pressure and, and with tissue perfusion, which could also then lead to a change in, in kidney perfusion and renal function. So, so you have to be careful with the dosing of the drug. And uh, what we saw, of course, is that you, you see a reduction in the uh, mean arterial blood pressure compared to the non 
pharmacologically treated patients. But when you look at just the difference between the propranolol treated patients and the cavetolol pa uh, treated patients, this difference was not uh, statistically significant. It was just numerically slightly lower in the patients treated with, with uh, carvedilol. On the other hand, the effect on the heart rate was less pronounced in the, in the, in the patients uh, treated with carvedilol. However, again, this difference between propranolol and carvedilol was not statistically significant. So that means, yes, of course, it lowers the blood pressure and patients with uh, liver cirrhosis, especially more advanced stage liver cirrhosis, do already have low blood pressure at, 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 at the beginning of treatment. So you further lower their blood pressure, which you know, some of them cannot tolerate and others can tolerate, but it makes them feel, you know, tired, weak, uh, sometimes a little drowsy. Uh, and for that reason, it's very important that you start low with the, with the dosing. So overall, what do you think are the strengths and limitations of the study? The strength is that we did uh, hemodynamic measurements of all our patients, so you have very good evidence of what's happening. And the other strength is that in the end, even though not really expected, it showed an improvement in hard endpoints, which is uh, very sealed bleeding, hepatic decompensation, and uh, death. So it provides good evidence that this is really something that is good for your patients. The weakness is the non-randomized trial design. You know, So uh, of course, in a prospective randomized trial, uh, you might be able to answer some of these questions with a stronger evidence or a higher level of evidence. Uh, so this is a, a good example of how you do a portal pressure guided uh, treatment approach. But what is still missing is that you compare this portal pressure guided treatment approach with just an empirical treatment approach. So let's discuss the wider application of your findings. Um, as you outlined earlier, um, many centres may not have the capability of measuring portal pressure in all patients prescribed beta blockade as primary prophylaxis to identify the non-responders that may benefit from carvedilol. Are there any non-invasive biomarkers that can be employed in this setting? At the moment, we don't really have any biomarkers that would tell you who's responding and who's not responding uh, to this setting. So currently, if you want to make sure that you can identify responders and non-responders, you, you do have to measure portal pressure. And essentially, this is uh, something that, that can be done. It's not too difficult to do even though it's invasive, is an is a, is a intervention that's done on an outpatient basis and it's an intervention that you don't have to do many times. Uh, you might have to do it three times if your patient is not responding. But it's something, uh, when you consider the consequences uh, and the outcome, which means uh, prevention of bleeding, decompensation and death, uh, it's probably highly appropriate to do that. Do you think um, an appropriate alternative strategy would be to skip propranolol and use carvedilol as the initial prescribed agent? So this is something that is actually, I think, on all our minds, uh, especially since this one study has been published showing that propranolol is superior to band ligation, while propranolol was never able to, to show that it was superior to band ligation. Actually, it, it was always slightly inferior to, to, to that. So... The logical approach would be to uh, uh, skip propranolol and go to carvedilol 
and that is actually also the approach we are taking right now and, and, and quite a few other people uh, involved in the field are doing right now. Except for usually in our guidelines when we take on these recommendations, we, we want two studies, uh, two randomized controlled trials to be there before we uh, recommend such a change of, of treatment plan. Uh, and that means that we still need another trial uh, confirming the results that we saw in the one study in 2009. But except for that, the, the clinical practice, I think, in many places has already been faster than the guidelines. And I think many people have already stopped using propranolol and are only using cavedilol, like our center, for example. So to finish and just to summarize what we've talked about, um, overall, what's the main message from the trial and what do you feel needs to be addressed in these future studies? Now, the main message is that carvedilol is uh, effective not only in, the, in, in a group of patients that uh, undergo primary prophylaxis for very sealed bleeding and have not been treated before, but carvedilol is also effective in a fairly large number of patients who have been treated with propranolol but are propranolol failures. This is an important message. And the second message is that drug treatment with propranolol and then with the non-responders with carvedilol combined together is improving the bleeding rate as well as survival of patients with liver cirrhosis. Now, what needs to be addressed in, for, in future studies? Future studies uh, should address whether such a HVPG-guided approach might be better than just giving carvedilol to everybody. Uh, in my opinion, it probably will not be. <laughs> And uh, uh, the other thing that needs to be addressed is actually the use of carvedilol in secondary prophylaxis of very sealed bleeding, because this has not been studied adequately, and it would be very interesting to see uh, how carvedilol is doing not only in the primary prophylaxis, but also in the setting of secondary prophylaxis in, in very sealed bleeding. Another issue that needs to be addressed in the more advanced patients is whether there is a detrimental effect of carvedilol treatment in advanced stage liver disease patients. Because there have been reports in the last two, three years showing that use of beta blockers in decompensated patients might be detrimental. Now, in fact, it seems to be that it's mostly detrimental in advanced stage patients with infection. But uh, in particular, in, in advanced stage liver cirrhosis patients, decompensated liver cirrhosis patients, uh, more work on the safety of carvedilol and when not to use it has to be done. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank Professor Marcus Peck for joining me today. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs>